We are now going to get into our series, There is a Plan. So get your Bibles ready, open up those notebooks, and get ready to hear a word from God this morning. Church. Uh, could you please just put your hands together? Let me know that you're alive. We are glad that you're here. Uh, just a special hello to everybody in Plymouth and in Milton and joining us online. I wasn't in a Dover location last week because I was, uh, my, me and my family went to the Milton location. It's my first time attending there on a Sunday since we launched and it was a great time to be there, to hear some testimonies, to meet you and uh, it was exciting while I was there last week, Pastor Andrew was able, or that location was able to, they had five people sign up for the water baptisms coming up on April 11th. That's really, really exciting and uh, amazing. And that, uh, you know, uh, it's just been really good. It's been, uh, it's been awesome. And Plymouth, I'll be coming to visit you here soon in the, in the next couple of months. So looking forward to hanging out with you on a Sunday as well. Um, one thing that has been going on too on, the, on Saturdays, on the weekends, is our Farmers to Families initiative that we were able to jump in and be a part of. So to date, we've given away over 400,000 pounds of food, uh, which has been... Which has been really awesome. Uh, you just if you don't know about it, you can serve on Saturdays and volunteers on Saturdays. We've had two trucks coming to Plymouth and to Dover, and for the last few weeks, we've been working on something, but it's been hard to get another truck. But it's confirmed now for the next two Saturdays, we're going to be doing farmers to families in Nashua, New Hampshire, as well. So. We've got all the volunteers lined up, the location lined up, the fork truck lined up. Uh, we're working with other churches in Nashua to help to, um, to, to bring that there. So this Saturday, it'll be in Plymouth, Dover, and in Nashua, and uh, for the next two Saturdays, actually. So good stuff, uh, really exciting, and that's that. So do me a favor, if you're here... If you're here, I want you to smile, I want you to get out your Bibles, and I want you to get ready to, uh, I want you to get ready to hear and, and to grow as we are in the second week of this series, There is a Plan. When I first began as lead pastor of Restoration Church, this was uh, just about 10 years ago, uh, you know, nine and a half years ago, I became lead pastor, and we were, we were in need of a financial miracle. Um, we, you know, we weren't in danger of losing the church or anything, but we needed a miracle from God, and we were praying for it, that God would, would help us to, to accomplish what was immediately before us. And as we were praying this, a lady came up to me after service and she said, Pastor, does the church need any help financially? And I was like, yeah, always. Even if, 
even if giving is at a record high, kingdom builders is at a record high, we still are in need of, of finances. We still are in need of miracles because our vision is always greater than where we're at. We're never, we're never satisfied with what we've accomplished and what we've done. It's always praying for more and for the next thing. Now we're content with what God's done, but we're never satisfied. We're never like, hey God, that's good enough, good enough. You don't have to do more for us. We're comfortable. No, as long as there's people in this world and in New Hampshire who don't know Jesus, our prayer is God allow us to do more. Could there be another location? Could there be another ministry opportunity? Could there be another staff person to hire? Could there be another service we could start? It's just always our prayer because as long as there are people who don't know Jesus, our heart is to help those people know Jesus. Are there more missionaries we can support? Are there more organizations around we can support? Are there more missions trips we can take? So anyway, I was very polite and not very, trying to not act very desperate. But when she asked me this, I was like, just very confidently, yeah, absolutely. So she said, can we, can we meet and talk about how I might be able to help this? And so I was like, yeah, you know, let's get it, let's get it on the calendar right now. And uh, so scheduled an appointment for later that week. And I'll tell you what, my anticipation, my expectation begin to kind of grow by the minute. And I try to talk myself down and like, well, just wait and see what happens. But I remember talking with Michelle, like, and I remember thinking, could this be the first big financial miracle that happens while I'm lead pastor of the church. Is this going to be the first big one? The first like, oh man, God came through and, and really excitement was an understatement. I was through the roof dreaming about what they're going to say. And so we ended up meeting. I remember it was in a different building that we owned at the time, but we sat in that office and we begin to talk, and she began to talk about her heart for, um, for funding ministry and for funding the church and helping the church to grow. And about 10 minutes in, I realized she was trying to sell me something. <sighs> what she was trying to get me to do was to sign Restoration Church up in her in her in her network marketing, which obviously is illegal, which is obviously off mission. I don't know if it's illegal. What's well, stupid? It's not. It's just not what it's. It's not what Restoration Church is called to do. And so, being a new lead pastor who was afraid of people leaving, I sat there for maybe an hour and fifteen minutes politely. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, good, yeah. And walked out of there saying, oh, my, oh, man, why am I so stupid? Why would I fall for that? Why would I believe that? Why would I? And beating myself up. And I tell you what, the next time someone came to me and said, Pastor, I, you know, I, I just feel, the next time someone came and suggested anything of finances, man, I held it with a, like, you know, okay, let's see what happens here. And certainly over the years, we've received, we have received those financial miracles that came in just in time. I mean, just think about Kingdom Builders and our, our miracle offering last year where we gave over $60,000 in that offering to, to go 
um, to go to kingdom builders around the world. I mean, it's amazing. And, and it's happened. It's happened a bunch of times, but it's caused me to, um, it, it caused me for, for a while to move forward with skepticism and not in faith. I don't know if you've ever done this. You've been excited for a promise and then it didn't turn out the way you wanted. And, and certainly there's a bunch of situations where you could have experienced this. If you've ever been ripped off by a salesman or ripped off by a contractor, they made a, they made a promise. Hey, I want to do this job for you. And then they don't do it. They don't show up or they take your money and run or they do a terrible job and you have to hire someone else to do it again. Uh, if you've ever been used by a guy or a girl, you know, they promised love and romance and they were just using you. When this happens to us, it makes us less likely, it can make us less likely to believe a promise if we will ever believe any again at all. Sometimes people say, I, you just put up a wall. I will never be tricked like that again. And, and you know, translate that. Sometimes they even word, I will never trust again. And they just, no, I will not be tricked. Now, listen to me as you, I want you to open up your Bibles to Genesis. We're talking about Jesus today as we, as we do every week. And we're talking about promises that he made today. And maybe you felt like Jesus has promised you something in the past and it didn't happen. And so you just think, I just don't believe any of it. I'm not sure I believe any of it anymore because that one thing that he told me he didn't do, it can cause, it can really cause a friction in our relationship with him. It can cause us not to trust him. It can cause us not to fully follow him. And for some, it can even cause them to walk away. All right, I, he, he promised me this. He didn't do it. I'm done. And, and certainly, um, there are some in the room who've experienced that. Maybe you are in the middle of that right now. And if you're online, that's why you won't show up in the building because you won't trust church again. You won't trust people of God anymore. You won't trust Jesus anymore. Well, this is a little bit of what's going on in the story that we're talking about. Now, what we're going to talk about this morning are some promises that Jesus made before he was even born. And so how is that possible? How can that happen? We'll, we'll, we'll get into that for a moment. So a little bit of background, because not everybody knows this, but Jesus was born around 4 B.C., and the record of his life begins in your Bible uh, about the book of Matthew. So the Bible is divided into two sections, the Old Testament and the New Testament. So right about here in your Bible is where it starts talking about Jesus and his birth and, and the genealogy that he was born into. And many, many think that this was the beginning of Jesus in the world. That him as a historical person, this is where he began, but that's not true. Jeremy talked about this last week, that he's not just found in that portion of the book, but he's found in this portion of the book as well, the Old Testament. That he's in both parts throughout. And Jeremy showed us, so we look at this verse in John chapter 1, verse number 1. This is, this is what Jeremy preached about last week. In the beginning, the word already existed. And the word is another name for Jesus. The word was with God and the word was God. 
showing us in verse number two, says he existed in the beginning with God. So Jesus was at creation and Jeremy talked about that. But one thing for us to know is that he was at creation. God created us, created this world through him. But Jesus was uncreated. He did not begin at his birth before Jesus was a man. He was God. Before Jesus was incarnate, where he put on flesh and became one of us, he was, he, he was spirit and he was uncreated just as God. Now, in the Old Testament, before he was born and became flesh, became, you know, the newborn king of the world, he appeared as a man multiple times to Abraham. So Genesis 18.1, I want to look at this real quick, and I'll give you a little bit of background on Abraham. It said, the Lord appeared again to Abraham. This is Genesis 18. You can look there because we're going to look at other scriptures in this encounter. The Lord appeared again to Abraham. Jesus is showing up and hanging out with Abraham and happened multiple times in Abraham's life. So Abraham's sitting in his tent. He sees three men walking up and he recognizes one of them as being Jesus. A little bit of timeline here. Abraham lived around the time of 2000 B.C., so Jesus is born at 4 BC, Abraham alive around 2000 BC. And again, we see Jesus is uncreated. Jesus is powerful. Jesus is miraculous. Jesus exists outside of time. And when he shows up here with the appearance of a man, he is not man. He is God in spirit, showing himself, revealing himself as a man. So if you think about another, another story in the Old Testament you might be familiar with, but when God revealed himself to Moses, he showed himself that first time as a burning bush. God is not a burning bush. He just revealed himself as that way to get his attention. And this is what Jesus did. It was kind of a, a supernatural thing that happened. Let's go through a couple of things. Why did Jesus appear to Abraham? Why did he appear to him multiple times? What was the point of it? You know, he, he didn't just show up for a free meal, though the meal that is described that Abraham and Sarah cooked for him, yeah, I'd like to be there. It sounded amazing. Um, but he appeared to Abraham because he was delivering a promise. It's all part of this, there is a plan. That God's plan for you, for me, God's plan for Jesus was set up from the very beginning. And Jesus is showing up, delivering those promises. In Genesis chapter 12, verse number one, go ahead and flip there. I wanna read this for you. This is the beginning of the promises that were given to Abraham. So Genesis chapter 12, verse number one, it says, the Lord had said to Abraham, leave your native country, your relatives, and your father's family and go into the land that I will show you. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you and make you famous and you will be a blessing to others. I will bless those who bless you and curse those who treat you with contempt. All the families on earth will be blessed through you. This is a big deal 
for a guy who was really living in obscurity. He's a, he's a no-name guy living in, uh, living in Ur. It's kind of a no-name place. And God shows up, recognizes him, speaks to him, and calls him on. He says, listen, if you will move, if you will move, then I've got these promises for you. And the promises really break down into three things. Promised land, promised heritage, and promised blessing. Land, kids, and money, the millennial homesteaders dream. This is what's promised to Abraham. Now, when he gives this promise to Abraham, a couple of things happen. And I want us to begin to look at the promises that he speaks to us. And this promise of, of land, heritage, and blessing, you know what, it is a promise to even us today, but we'll look at that at the end. Jesus shows up, he gives a promise, and the response can be, even if the promise is given to us, the response can be to see the problem with the promise. Abraham, when he's given in, in Genesis chapter 12, he's given this promise of, of, of land, of heritage, of a family, and of, of blessing. He's 75 years old at this time. His wife, Sarah, is about nine or 10 years younger than him, and they don't have any children. At this point, it, you know, if, at however long they've been married, but he's 75 years old, they haven't had any kids, and this is promise now of kids and family and heritage. And I'm sure at this moment, Sarah's heart is, is excited. She's, she's believing. She's, um, she's glad that it's finally going to happen. But in Genesis chapter 18, when Jesus appears for, for the third or fourth time to Abraham, there, there's still no child. And this is 25 years later. 25 years later from Genesis chapter 12 to Genesis 18. When Jesus promises us something, it's easy to find the problem with it. It's easy to tell ourselves why it will never happen. And this is a, a little bit what's going on in this story. So I want to read in Genesis 18 verses 9 through 12. And there's two men who are unknown, who are traveling with Jesus. And they ask Abraham, where is Sarah, your wife? And he says, she's inside the tent. Then one of them said, I will return to you about this time next year. And your wife, Sarah, will have a son. Sarah was listening to this conversation from the tent. Abraham and Sarah were both very old by this time. And Sarah was long past the age of having children. She's about 90 years old at this point. So she did as many of us would in verse number 12. She laughed silently to herself and said, how could a worn out woman like me enjoy such pleasure, especially when my master, my husband, is also so old? She laughed at the promises. This is a promise spoken to you. Maybe it's been 25 years for you. Maybe it's been five years for you. And you just feel that it was God who spoke it, but you've now over all these years, now that it's been so long, you can see all the problems with it. And even now, if someone were to speak to that, you would, you would doubt it, that it would happen. 
We think about Sarah, we don't blame her. I mean, she was 90. She was right, she was old. Her husband was older. Abraham was about 99 years old at this point. It'd been 25 years since that first promise in Genesis chapter 12. And probably this laughter was a little bit of protection as we talked about earlier in the message. I can't go through believing this again. I don't want to believe again. I don't want to get let down again. And what does God do when we see the problems with the promise? What does Jesus do in this story? And, and this is, I, I don't know if this is unfair of him or not, but in this scripture, Jesus gives promises on top of the promises that he's already given. So 25 years ago, land, heritage, blessing, it's going to be yours. In chapter 15, he comes, he gives more blessing. You're going to have children of your own. You're going to, he gives more blessed, more promises. Then in 18, when they say another promise, hey, when we come back next year, the child is going to be born. How does he respond when she laughs? How does he respond when we see those promises? When we see those problems, he gives promises on top of promises. He is not afraid of his own promises. He's not afraid of letting us down. He's not afraid of not being able to come through. In, um, in Genesis chapter 18, verse number 13, the Lord said to Abraham, why did Sarah laugh? And I'm sure Abraham was startled because it doesn't sound like he would have been able to hear her. And then Jesus continues, why did she say, can an old woman like me have a baby? Verse number 14 here. Is anything too hard for the Lord? And you, I, I, I just want you to ask yourself that question, maybe about the promise that you've been thinking about, the promise you've been trying to talk yourself out of. The problem that you, the, the, the prob, promise that you received that has way too many problems to actually happen. I want you to ask yourself, is anything too hard for the Lord? Begin to ask yourself that. Because how you answer that is, kind of, is it going to be a big determining factor here on what happens next? Is anything too hard for the Lord? And I think for us, the one thing, you know, the one thing from this message that we've got to begin to see is, wait a minute, if he promised it, it's not too hard for him to do it. If he spoke it, it's not too hard for him to do it. If he said it, it's not too hard to do it. And he, he almost doubles down on this. It was the visitor who said it the first time, but now Jesus is saying it this time. I will return about this time next year and Sarah will have a son. And Jesus confronts, I, I kind of love this next verse here. I love this, that um, Sarah was afraid. She kind of comes out. She's like, hey, I wasn't laughing. I, I hear you guys say I'm laughing. I'm not laughing. And uh, then Jesus is just like pretty frank, like, no, you did laugh. Like, I just think of it me like, I wasn't laughing. Jesus promised. He's like, no, you did laugh. Like, <laughs> and you're going to try to get something by on Jesus. <laughs> Sometimes we make promises in our own strength that we, we, don't, rem, we don't remind people of those promises. We hope they forget. We hope... We, you know, you, you hope that your kids forget you said they could sleep in your room, you know, th that night or over the weekend. You, you forget you told them they could stay up late. 
You hope your spouse forgets that you bought those tickets to the opera. You just, you know, you made a promise with them that you'd go, but you hope somehow that they forget and you don't have to go. When Jesus makes a promise to us, he does not want you to forget. He's not hoping you forget, oh man, I'm so busy this week. I know I made that promise, but I hope that, I hope that they just forget. I hope that they, they you know, so I don't have to do it. That is not his response. He is deliberately reminding you of his promises because he wants to come through. He wants to do his promises in your life. He wants to do all these things for Abraham and for Sarah and for the world through Abraham. And so he's reminding, you know, it's been 25 years. It's a long time, but he's showing back up. Hey, don't forget. There's a promise over your life. Hey, don't forget there's a miracle coming. Hey, don't forget who I am and what I'm able to do. Here's the big thing about his promises and the the band can come up. When we think about Jesus making promises or when we think about, yeah, when we think about Jesus making promises, we think about how we make promises. Sometimes we make a promise as a, a, almost like a wish, like, you you know, uh, but when we make a promise, then we have to deliver after That's not how it is for Jesus. What Jesus promises, he's already completed. It's a whole different thing. So, you know, sometimes you think about about kids, um, you know, families will give their kids um, Christmas, uh, at Christmas, they'll give their kids trips to Disney and it's a future promise. I promise we're gonna take you in the fall. I promise we're gonna take you in the summer, April vacation or whatever. It was a little bit, think about it this way, when, you know, go to Disney and then after, I promise I'll take you last week, you know? And so Jesus already completed what he's promised. So when he says to Sarah and Abraham, 25 years in the past, hey, you're going to have a child. Well, in the future, he's already completed that. He's, he exists outside of time. The miracles happened already to him. The promise has been answered already to him. Now it's a 25 year journey for Abraham and Sarah, but it's not a 25 year journey for Jesus. What he promises, he's already done. What he's promised you, he's already done. What he's promised the church, he's already done. Now we've got a process of working, of walking through it and living through it, but it's already done. And this allows us not to laugh at the promises, not to get discouraged in the timing of the promises, not to talk ourselves into all the problems of the promises and convince ourselves the promises will never really happen. Our part here is recognizing who Jesus is, what he's able to do, and to just have faith in trusting him that he's gonna deliver on his promises when he decides to, that he's gonna do it. And we can just relax and be confident that in his time, it will be done. Abraham and Sarah did have a child. They had one child in their lifetime. His name was Isaac. And you think about Abraham who could argue, God, God, you promised me descendants as there were stars in the sky. I've got one kid. And to begin to say, God, I don't think you've done the math here. It'll take forever for one to become many. But Jesus did. He completed his promises. And again, they were completed when he said it. 
When he spoke, it was done. It was already done. Now, if we just come to the end of this, we're going to look at land, heritage, and blessing because it's a promise for us now. Um, but, I, but I want to say this. Ultimately, for Abraham and for us, that when Jesus spoke to Abraham in chapter 12, chapter 15, chapter 18 of Genesis, Abraham knew something that, um, that people didn't figure out for, for, for 2,000 years. He knew that Jesus is the promise. So talk about land, so talk about heritage, so talk about blessing. But the, but the real promise was Jesus, and, I, and I'll show you that here in Scripture. So let's talk about the land for a second. Hebrews chapter 11, verse number 10 says that Abraham was confidently looking forward to a city with eternal foundations, a city designed and built by God. So Abraham was promised a land, a nation for, for the people of God. But Abraham knew through his interactions with Jesus that the promise wasn't temporal it wasn't just a city. It wasn't just some walls. It wasn't just things that will crumble in an earthquake or a tornado or, or a fire. But there, there was a, the, the promise was bigger than that. It was an eternal city. And that promise is for us. That through our trust in Jesus, that this world is not the end for us. That there is an eternal city designed and built by God that we'll be invited to participate in. Talk about heritage, Galatians chapter 3, verse number 16 says, God gave the promises to Abraham and his child. And notice that the scripture doesn't say to his children as if it meant many descendants. Rather, it says to his child. And that, of course, means Christ. And, and Abraham had an understanding of this. Well, we want to understand this when it talks about Abraham having descendants. It wasn't just about he's going to have a lot of children. It was going to be that Jesus, who he was sitting and feeding, was going to eventually be a part of his family lineage. And through Jesus, all men would be able to be saved. And the kingdom of God would burst open at the coming of Jesus and at the resurrection of Jesus after his crucifixion. And this is a promise for us. We think about our families and we think, I don't have a heritage. I don't have anything I want to pass on. I have, wait a minute. When you give your life to Jesus, he adopts you into this family. You are one of his own. And now you are a child of God. You are an heir to the throne of God, to the, to the inheritance and the riches of God. And all these things are yours. And now your family is bust wide open to the billions who have followed Jesus over the years, you're now one of them, a child of God. And then what about the blessing here? Ephesians chapter one, verse number three says, all praise to God, the father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ. We sell our, we, we have just such a small understanding of blessing if we think about blessing only being physical, material things of this earth. 
I don't feel very blessed by God because my paycheck's not high enough, my house isn't big enough, my car's not new enough. That's a really tiny understanding of blessing. God has every spiritual blessing for you. What's the big deal about spiritual blessings? So they don't rust after a few New Hampshire winters. The furnaces don't break. The roofs don't need to be repaired. Uh, You know, carpenter ants don't infest them. Uh, you know, what's the great thing about spiritual blessings? They cannot be taken from us. They do not devalue. They do not. And, and the spiritual blessings we take with us. Nothing on this earth we take with us other than uh, other people who we lead to the Lord. This is promises that God has for you. This is promises that he has for me. Promises he has for the church. Land, a heavenly home heritage, be part of the family of God and blessings, spiritual blessings on your life every day of your life and, and f- for the rest of eternity. And what do we do to, to receive this promise? One, he's promised, he's promised in John three sixteen that anybody who, anybody who believes in Jesus, anybody who asks him to be their savior, he will forgive them and he will give them everlasting life. That is a promise in scripture. And we can begin right from the very outset to say, yeah, but I see some problems with that because I've done too many wrong things in my past because I, you, you know, because it's too late for me. I'm too old. God wouldn't, wouldn't take me. I, you know, I've wasted my whole life because, and we have all these reasons why that promise isn't for us. I tell you right now, it's a promise for you. And it's a promise he's said that he's already completed. The forgiveness is ready. It just needs your prayer to open it up. And I'm gonna invite you to pray that prayer. And um, if you just close your eyes uh, everywhere where you're listening, in our response to this promise of salvation and forgiveness, it's not complicated. It's just asking him, Jesus, will you forgive me? Forgive me for the sins of my life. I believe that you're God's son. I believe that you came to save me. Be my God. And that prayer brings all the promises that we already spoke about, brings a promise of everlasting life into your life. I want to pray for some of you. You've got some things that you're praying for. There's promises that God has spoke to you. Maybe it's a promise for a kid. Maybe it's a promise for a home. Maybe it's a promise for a job. Maybe it's a promise for, for, uh, for, for something to start. But there's something that God spoke to you. I mean, it could have been 10 years ago. It could have been 10 months ago. And you know all the reasons why it can't happen. All right? You and, and maybe even you still believe, but it just hasn't happened yet. I want to pray for, for, the, for, for you guys. Jesus, I ask according to your will, according to your timing, and according to your purposes, that the promises that you've spoken will happen. God, we don't know when. 25 years waiting for a kid for Abraham and Sarah must have felt, must, it must have just felt like it was never going to happen. But God, you wanted to make sure that they knew it was you working. And I just pray, God, for each and every one of us that as we're, maybe you promised us something, but we just see all the problems and why it can't happen. God, I pray we take our eyes and our focus off of our problems and our eyes and focus according to the scripture we read earlier. Is there anything the Lord cannot do? 
and we would put our heart there and our attention there and our heart and attention on you, Jesus. If you promised it, you will do it. And Jesus, I pray for those who, they're just waiting on a promise. They haven't given up. They're knowing that you're gonna do it one day. God, help them to remain steadfast. Help them to continue to trust. And I just pray, God, at the right time, in the right way, exactly when it needs, God, that, that it would happen. In the meantime, God, keep showing up. Keep reminding them. Keep reminding them of your promises. And we don't give up, but we don't stop praying. We just pray this all in Jesus' name, amen. Listen, will you do me a favor? You stand to your feet. We want to sing together as we're coming to the end of our service. And it's a good time to say, all right, it's all right, God. All your promises are yes and amen. You promised it, it's going to happen. And so I just yield my timing to you, God. I yield my plan to you, God. And I'm going to worship you regardless of when it happens. I'm going to worship you. I'm not going to get discouraged. I'm not going to give up. I'm not going to quit. Let's sing. through our, our time of tithes and, and kingdom builders. One thing we know that Restoration has called us to do is to open uh, Restoration Recovery, a, a ministry that's that's going to be talking with and, and helping people who are uh, trying to recover from, from different addictions. That's what we are pursuing here in Dover as you give to kingdom builders so you can pray about uh, what he's calling you to do uh, to give towards that. And a tithe, we believe if you call Restoration Church your home, uh, we give 10% of, of what we believe God's given us, our, our income and you can do that online or you can do that on the envelopes in the back of the room. And before we dismiss, I'd wonder if we could have the prayer team come forward one more time. We just learned a whole lot about promise, so I want to make sure if anyone now wants to come up for prayer after they've heard that, we want to pray that God reveals uh, every promise that he has for you this morning. So we're going to be here to, to pray for that. And uh, let me pray for offering and then we'll dismiss, all right? God, we love you. 
We know you have a plan for every single thing that you have a part of. God, we know that as we give, you're there with us as we worship. You're there with us, God. We pray that you just help us to steward what it is that you've given us. And I pray that we give with a glad heart this morning. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So you can give that way, and we're here to pray for you. Love you guys. We'll see you next week.